This episode is brought to you by Audi Canada. The Canadian Medical Association has partnered with Audi Canada to offer CMA members preferred incentive on select vehicle models. Purchase any new qualifying Audi model and receive an additional cash incentive based on the purchase type. Details of the incentive program can be found at audiprofessional.ca. Explore the full line of vehicles available to suit your lifestyle. The Audi driving experience is like no other. Current recommendations to reduce the risk of peanut allergy include feeding infants peanut protein as one of the first foods. But with this fairly recent change in recommendations, there are a lot of questions about how best to do this. I'm Dr. Matthew Stanbrook, Deputy Editor for the Canadian Medical Association Journal. Today I have with me two of the authors of a practice article on this topic, published in CMAJ. Dr. Amitha Kalachandran and Dr. George Dutois are here to tell us how to safely reduce an infant's risk of peanut allergy with early introduction of peanut protein. They co-authored their CMAJ article with Dr. Tom Mars. Welcome to you both. Hi, Matthew. Thank you for the kind invitation. Thanks for having me. So first, can you each tell us a bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So my name is Amitha Kalachandran. I'm an epidemiologist and resident doctor in pediatrics who also has an interest in medical journalism and knowledge translation. And my name is uh, George Dutois. I work in London at the Evelina Children's Hospital at uh, St. Thomas's. And I was um, the first author on this paper, worked on this um, large study, the LEAP study, which we'll hear about um, in in a minute. And this was published in the NEJM. The um, sponsors of the study and collaborate collaborators were the um, NIH in in the US, the Immune Tolerance Network in the US, and many other collaborators helped us with this work as well. Gideon Leck was the principal on this study. Great to have you both, and great to have the five things paper you've written for our practice section. Why was it important for you to write this article for CMAJ now? So that's a really good question, Dr. Stanbrook. So um, as a trainee myself, I noticed that there was a lot of confusion around um, several recent studies, including uh, the excellent LEAP study, and in terms of how how to translate that into the real world. So we knew that there was evidence around early introduction, but the practical aspects around how parents might introduce peanuts to their children wasn't very clear, and it certainly wasn't clear among my peers and among generalists out there. I found myself in the UK last fall on an elective with um, Dr. Dutois and the group at Evelina, and I was uh, pleasantly surprised at how they were able to translate information in a very clear way to parents, um, and as well as to learners like myself. So that really inspired me to uh, think of um, how we can translate this into a five things article for general practitioners in Canada and pediatricians as well. Now, the recommendations to parents and their children in this area have changed fairly recently and and fairly dramatically. Uh, I can recall when our children were born, which was 10 and 12 years ago, we were told avoid peanuts uh, altogether for the first year at least, which has particular relevance for me because I have a history of food allergies, although not to peanuts. Now we are advising people the exact opposite. So let's go right to the evidence that has led to the current recommendations. Recommendations and, and what they actually tell us. Does early introduction of peanut protein prevent peanut allergy, and how do we know this? 
So much of, of what we've learned, the most rigorous data around this topic stems from the LEAP study, the learning earlier about allergy to peanut study. So in this study, we took 640 young infants aged four to 10 months inclusive, and they were at risk of developing peanut allergy. So the major risk factors are eczema, particularly moderate to severe and, and especially severe eczema, and or egg allergy. So once you've developed one food allergy as an infant, the chance of developing a second food allergy uh, goes up exponentially. So we took these high-risk infants and asked a very simple question. If they were randomized to eat peanut, would they do better over the first few years of life as opposed to avoiding peanut? And we were extremely pleased that, that patients enrolled and participants enrolled on the study uh, complied with the in interventions of either eating peanut flour um, or peanut butter over five years. So we did not feed whole peanuts to the very young infants. Obviously, there's a risk of choking with this. And equally, the avoidance group were extremely adept at avoiding peanut, which was the norm. You've just mentioned some years ago, the study was obviously started some years ago. People were then used to the standard, which was that of avoidance. And we followed these children up at regular intervals, making sure they, they were safe and that they were eating or avoiding the peanut. We measured the peanut in their bed dust uh, to confirm that indeed they were either eating or avoiding this and made a very rigorous assessment of all these children at five years of age. And very close to all the children completed the study with us and um, underwent this food challenge at five years of age. Now the food challenge is the gold standard. You can do skin prick tests to peanut and blood test to peanut to make a diagnosis, but the food challenge is the most rigorous outcome. And we noticed a huge difference at the end of the study of 17.2% in the avoidance group so in these high-risk children who had simply avoided peanut, um, near 20% of these children landed up with peanut at, at five years of age. As compared to those where the intervention was applied, this went right down to 3.2%. Now that's a relative difference of some 81%, a very high um, scientific effect. No matter how you look at it statistically, this is extremely significant and achieved through this relatively simple intervention of eating peanut. So I want to focus a bit on the when and the how as to how parents should start introducing peanut to their infants. Uh, you've mentioned that in, in the study you used peanut butter or peanut flour, and, and obviously the, uh, the risk of choking being the reason not to give whole peanuts. Is there any difference between those two forms, peanut flour versus peanut butter, in terms of the effect in preventing allergy? No. So, in fact, on the study, we also used a, a, a peanut puff. It, it, it looks a bit like a, a crispy. I'm sure in Canada you're familiar with these. It's a puff made ultimately of, of peanut flour. So as long as you're avoiding whole peanut, the process is safe and it's doable. The children took to this and, in fact, ate more than the six grams of peanut protein per week that we recommended. Um, and you would, it would be something as simple as melting down these puffs or um, just taking a heaped teaspoon of peanut butter three times a week and feeding it to young infants. And they were easily able to achieve this. When we analyzed the peanut in these different foods, the, the allergen within the peanut is equivalent within them. So no one food was superior to the other. And why uh, is the time of four to six months chosen? It, it may seem obvious to some, but let's just talk about why that is. 
So the guidelines um, now adopted within Canada, North America, in America, and, and much of, of the world now, certainly Australasia, the UK, um, are for the wording is at around six months of age. So we know that the WHO recommends exclusive breastfeeding until six months of age. What is quite clear that this target is not achieved by all, that many children become hungrier before this period. So when children want to wean, and mothers know this, there's a hunger cry that comes about with their children. They start following food. They try and grab food. They lose their tongue thrust, this thrust that young children do to solid foods when they're not ready to eat it. When moms know that their child is ready to eat, this is usually at around six months of age, we recommend that peanut is part of a healthy weaning diet. It's a healthy food at the very least. It'll certainly do no harm. And the upside is if you're at risk, you stand a very high chance of reducing that risk through int introducing this. Now on our study, the children are aged four to 10 months inclusive. Most were around seven months of age. But we know that not everyone was protected by this intervention. So remember, in the, in the peanut intervention group, still some 3.2% of the children became allergic. And we believe, and, and we are looking at the data again and again, and our, our gut instinct is that the earlier you, you, you start this intervention, the better. And then the amount that you've uh, studied and recommended being six grams per week, was that chosen because that amount has a specific immunological effect that smaller amounts don't? Or was it more of a practical compromise of that's how much you can reasonably get into a, a young infant at that age? So interestingly, prior to the study, uh, we performed a study along with Yitzhak Katz uh, in Israel and uh, Gideon Luck was the principal in the UK. And we compared children of Jewish descent in the UK and Israel, so genetically similar children. And we had heard that in Israel, peanut was commonly eaten as one of the, these peanut puff snacks. And in the UK, people were avoiding peanut at this time. And so we made a cross-sectional analysis in older children of the allergy rates, and we found a tenfold difference in children of a similar age, similar genetic background, and separated by a relatively short period of time, living in two uh, geographic areas. We then looked at consumption and found that, that in the UK folk were indeed avoiding peanut, and in Israel they were indeed eating this, and they were introducing it early. And we looked at the upper quartiles of consumption and we aimed at that, thinking that is probably the best target to aim at. And that came out at six grams of peanut protein. Um, so remember, a quarter of a peanut is, is protein. So your, your overall weight is of, of peanut butter or whole peanut, if, if that's what you'll be eating when older, is slightly higher. And it turns out that that cross-sectional study, so as we all know, cross-sectional studies are one of the weaker forms of evidence, but this study did highlight this amount, and this amount was confirmed both within the LEAP and now more recently the EAT, which is also a study undertaken in our hospital looking at more than just peanut. Again, that came down to around two grams of peanut protein. In the EAT study, it suggested that on two occasions a week may be sufficient. On the LEAP study, three occasions a week. And so it's, it's very enticing to look at permutations of that, less frequent and lesser amounts. But strangely, on the LEAP study, the, the patients that were able to eat peanut did exactly what we asked. <laughs> so they ate these, these higher amounts and more frequent amounts. And so we can't really do sub-analyses to look at the, 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 the smaller amounts and, and infrequent consumption. Very good to have that background. 
so now when parents are starting to do this, to give a peanut protein to their infants, given that this is being done in the context of allergy prevention, of course, is there anything in particular that parents should watch for when they start to give their infants peanut protein? Yeah, so I would separate that into um, reactions that are not allergy related from ones that are. So just general things to watch out for are, um, you know, any signs of choking or intolerance that may not be related to an allergy. So obviously, that could be seen in children that perhaps don't have good head control, maybe children that are developmentally uh, delayed or have low tone. Um, so watching, watching for that as you would for any, you know, when you're introducing any new food. Um, and then when it comes to signs of allergy, so looking at something like hives, rhinorrhea, um, other signs of airway compromise, coughing, again, choking can also be related to, to that as well. Um, so hives being cutaneous reactions, angioedema, so, so swelling, for example, of the lips, um, and that's when you, when parents should really be thinking about um, a more serious reaction that would warrant medical attention. And Dr. Dutois may have some other things to add on that as well. Yeah, children generally take to peanut if they're not allergic. It, it, it tastes nice. It's, it's high in fat. It's high in protein. It, it's palatable. As long as they can swallow, given all the criteria we've mentioned, they generally enjoy it. The infant that has an active aversion and pushes pushes the food away continuously, locks their jaw, perhaps just de develops some very mild um, erythema or redness around the mouth, then you should be slightly suspicious. So something as mild as, as a cough, just a, a new onset upper airway cough. Remember, peanut-induced reactions in young children are not always severe. So, so our families, our peanut-allergic families, live in fear of life-threatening severe anaphylaxis. But in young children, that is a fairly rare presentation. Their aversion is often quite mild, just with a few little hives and blisters around the, the, the mouth if they do react and, and they have this active aversion. That's when you should be cautious. So if parents have observed their infant having any of these reactions after the first introductions, be it aversion or hives or anything in between, what would your advice be to those parents? Should they stop peanut consumption and consult their doctor before reintroducing it, or, or should they continue on and see what happens? So I think it would be wise in that scenario that they do seek additional medical care and an opinion. And, and, and hopefully they'd be able to access some testing to confirm this. If that is not available, which is true for most children um, in the Western world, that there's just such a high burden of allergy and very little access to allergy care. So if there, if there is no direct access um, to testing, then that process of feeding could be trialed again in a safe and supervised setting, in a medical setting. Okay, so these recommendations are now for most infants to receive peanut protein early in infancy. But are there any children who should not follow that directive, who should not be eating peanut protein as their first or one of their first foods? So the children who stand the greatest chance of having a reaction uh, are those who have severe eczema, particularly if they've had that eczema for many months of their life, for because they, they would present you at a different age, so for a, a greater proportion of their life. And also those who are allergic to other foods, such as egg, and obviously other related foods, such as a tree nut, such as a cashew butter or almond butter, if they'd reacted to that. 
or indeed if they'd had a severe reaction um, to another food, such as sesame. Those are obviously high-risk scenarios, and indeed most parents um, in that setting would first seek medical care, and good medical care would offer an allergy test. And, and if that was negative, be it a skin prick test or IgE, that is highly predictive of not having antibodies and not um, likely to react if exposed to the food. Equally, if that test is very high, that, that is um, predictive of having allergy. And in that scenario, not many doctors would recommend um, exposure again. So you highlight uh, other allergies in the infant and, and uh, atopic dermatitis or eczema as risk factors. What about a, a family history in either parent of food allergy? Does that factor into the considerations at all? So we know that genetics matter in food allergy, but the effect on peanut allergy of parental allergy is fairly minor. So I would not put up a cautionary sign if one or both parents had eczema or asthma or hay fever. The child may well go on to develop those when older, but the benefits through early introduction of peanut would far outweigh any benefits from the delayed introduction of peanut. Um, so of course we take family histories um, into account, but it's the child's direct history, particularly eczema. Eczema is the biggest risk factor for the development of food allergies, and that's where we focus our attention. So in such infants who have those risk factors, they should undergo allergy, specific allergy testing uh, to peanut, as you've described. You mentioned earlier about food challenges being the most specific measure, and you use that in, in your study. Is there any role, uh, any infants in whom that would be recommended before embarking on uh, feeding them peanut protein? Yes, so in the high-risk scenario, uh, children again with, with severe eczema, allergic to another food, you would want to do an, an oral challenge, um, preferably try and do it in a safe and supervised setting. But remember, we, we're rolling out these guidelines, and, and this is the same within Canada, that most children are exposed. So most children will not have this exposure in a safe and supervised setting. And just with a, a common sense approach, looking out for those symptoms that we've noted above, most children could have this done if they're low risk, they could have this done at home. If they're high risk, they could have this done in a medical setting without a, a formal supervised challenge in a tertiary hospital. So we've talked about the evidence specifically for peanut that undermines the recommendations we've been discussing. What about other allergies that crop up in infancy like eggs or dairy? Do we know whether a similar approach of early introduction is beneficial or harmful for those allergens? So it sounds like there is evidence, and Dr. Dutrois will, will expand on this for eggs specifically, but so far we don't have any good evidence for, for introducing dairy early on in terms of for the purposes of allergy prevention. Um, but over to you, Dr. Dutrois, to expand on that. So reviews of this topic, and there are very few studies in this field, but the reviews to date show the strongest benefit um, for peanut, for early introduction of peanut. There appears to be a benefit as well. It is less strong, but it exists for egg, particularly cooked egg. So we know that raw egg is highly allergenic. This is a, a, a structural protein. It has a shape to it. When it is cooked, that shape falls apart and it becomes less allergenic. So the studies that have tried to introduce raw egg protein, and um, particularly to at-risk young children, did run into some trouble that the children are having allergic reactions. But cooked egg, 
Um, in the low risk scenario, uh, we also recommend that that is introduced earlier at the same time points along with peanut, and this can be done at home in, in the low risk scenario. Again, in the high risk scenario, if you can access testing or medical care for unsupervised supervision, that would be ideal. On the EAT study, also done at the Evelina St. Thomas's, um, again led uh, by Gideon and Michael Perkin, were very active on this trial. We, have, we looked at six allergens, so milk, egg, peanut, sesame, fish, and wheat. The effect was most noted uh, for peanut and egg. For milk, sesame, fish, and wheat, if these were introduced slightly earlier in breastfed infants, this did not seem, well, it did not prevent any allergy or significantly major changes in sensitization, which means the background antibodies, the IgE positive tests. Um, what we do know is this did no harm. So eating other allergenic foods certainly does not increase allergy to those foods. And remember that allergenic foods are healthy foods. Milk, egg, peanut, sesame, fish, wheat, tree nuts. These are all highly um, proteinaceous foods. They're very satiating. They can be mashed up and, and put into weaning um, foods and purees. So you will do no harm nutritionally. We know children didn't become fat on this approach, particularly in breastfed children. We know that breastfeeding rates um, remained higher in the group when they were supported, so you do not compromise breastfeeding whilst you introduce these foods. But we do not know yet, given the studies we have, as to whether you'll reduce the rate of allergy to foods outside of egg and peanut. Some very important perspective there. Uh, a final question occurred to me as I was reading through your paper. So um, these children are, are supposed to take peanut protein regularly, a couple of times a week at least. It made me wonder how long children have to keep this up in order for the benefits of preventing allergy to go away when the child becomes three or four or five, if they decide, hey, I don't like peanuts, or as, as children want to do with various foods, and they stop it, do they lose that protective effect? Uh, do we know? Can we speculate about that? A brilliant question, Matthew. And, and we had the exact same thought towards the end of the LEAP study. So as the children were approaching five years of age, we thought, well, what do we tell these folk as they, they leave the study and, and, and off to free living? And so we designed another study called the LEAP ON study, um, also um, sponsored by NIAID and Immune Tolerance Network. And what we did here is we asked both groups, the group that had been eating peanut, as well as the group that were avoiding, to continue or to avoid peanut for a year, for an additional 12 months. So this was a very hard ask um, for the many children who were eating peanut and enjoying peanut to suddenly stay, say, well, obviously you're not allergic because you're eating it on a near daily basis. Would you mind stopping this for 12 months and we'll see if that benefit was a transient or sustained benefit. And lo and behold, after 12 months, the um, group rates of allergy did not shift. So those who had been avoiding and avoided for an additional 12 months as compared to those who had been eating and then avoided for 12 months, um, the group difference was uh, almost identical to what we had seen before. And so we know that if you eat peanut for five years and then stop for a year, you don't lose that benefit. We are now seeing these children, uh, can you believe it, at 13 years of age, and we want to see what's happened to them after they've been free living. Off a trial, obviously those that were allergic have been avoiding peanut, those that enjoy it and were tolerant have been eating it, and then there'll be a whole range of people who've been eating ad lib. And so we, we're having a look, and this, this is known as the LEAP TRIO study, um, all registered on clinicaltrials.gov, if folk wish to look into this in any more detail. But we, we wish to see if these benefits are sustained. 
reassuring seems to be another example yet again of how the early years are so important to the rest of your life, isn't it? Well, uh, this is all very valuable information, and I wonder whether uh, either of you or both of you have for the people listening to this podcast, be they clinicians in practice or parents of infants, a takeaway message or one thing you want to emphasize and, and have them take away from this discussion. I think for me, one of the biggest takeaways from um, my work with Dr. Dutuan and his group was really coming back to first principles in terms of how important the history is uh, when, when understanding allergy in children um, and for parents to really be documenting um, carefully in terms of different foods that are tried in general, as well as uh, different reactions. And then I think the second point would also be um, for listeners to take a look at the Canadian Pediatric Society practice point as well as an adjunct to to the paper that, that we put out because uh, the, the allergy experts, Dr. Edmund Chan and Elisa Abrams have nicely laid out um, some additional information. And there will be, as I understand it, uh, Canadian specific screening guidelines coming out uh, in the near future as well. Dr. Kalachandran, Dr. Dutois, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your expertise on this uh, broadly important topic. Thanks, everyone. Thanks so much. I've been speaking with Dr. Amitha Kalachandran, a pediatric resident physician and epidemiologist based in Ottawa, and Dr. George Dutois, a pediatric allergy uh, physician based in the UK at Evelina Children's Hospital. He is also one of the lead researchers for the LEAP, Learning Early About Peanut Allergy, study. To read the practice article they co-authored, visit cmaj.ca. Also, don't forget to subscribe to CMAJ Podcasts on SoundCloud or a podcast app, and let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating. I'm Dr. Matthew Stanbrook, Deputy Editor for CMAJ. Thank you for listening.